Well, it's great to, to be with you guys today and, and fantastic to, to be together. Um, quick question for you to start with. Who here likes rules? Does anybody like rules? We've got a few hands going up of people who like rules. See, I, I thought about this question and I actually found it a really difficult question to answer because do you know what? It depends on the rules, doesn't it? Um, you know, sometimes rules can be fantastic and they can be great. Uh, you know, rules can, can protect us and they can keep us safe. Rules can help us to enjoy things in, in the best way, in the way that they were intended to, to be enjoyed. Um, most of you will know that I love playing games. Um, and, um, you know, if, if any of you have ever tried to, to play a game without knowing the rules, then you'll know that it's one of the most frustrating experiences imaginable. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's a game of, of football or snooker or a game of Monopoly. If you don't know the rules, then it quickly re- kind of devolves into chaos. It quickly devolves into arguments between people. In fact, if you've played Monopoly, for many of you, probably that's what happens even when you do know the rules. But, but rules can be helpful. But there are also, there are other times when rules are just frustrating, aren't they? When we kind of look at the rule and we think, what's the point? And it just seems like this arbitrary thing that, that somebody's kind of come up with that everybody's got to do no matter what. And so you walk into a shop and there's nobody in the queue, but they still insist that you walk along these aisles backwards and forwards between the barriers to get to the till. And you just kind of think, what's the point? Why are these kind of rules being enforced when they don't need to be? How many of you drive? Most of you probably drive, don't you? Yeah, lots of people drive. Okay, so if you drive, then you'll be familiar with some other rules. You'll be familiar with the rules of the road. You'll be familiar with the highway code, or at least I hope you are. Otherwise, maybe you shouldn't be driving. And the highway code, it gives us a bunch of rules and, and it sets out a bunch of different kind of examples and situations. And it says, if you find yourself in this situation, here are the rules that you have, how you're supposed to behave when you're, you, when you find yourself there. So I've got a, a test for you on your driving theory. Okay. And we'll see how well you know the rules. It's an easy one. Don't worry. I've made the answer obvious. So here we go. You're on a dual carriageway. Let's say it's the A30. And when unexpectedly a blue van cuts in front of you, Without any notice. At this point, what do you do? A. You look for an opportunity to overtake the van so that you can glow, glare at the driver and kind of let him know how upset you are with him. B. You speed up to kind of come into the van so that he understands that it's a bad idea to cut in front of someone and that it's dangerous and he doesn't do it again. C. You sound your horn and start flashing your lights so that he knows just how irritated you are with him. Or D, you, you slow down slightly, if it's safe to do so, allowing a safe distance between you and the van. A, B, and C. There we go. <laughs> and that's the reality, isn't it? We all know that D is the answer, but how many times are we tempted with A, B, or C when that kind of thing happens? Now, where am I going with all of this? Why are we talking about, about rules? Well, here's the thing. When it comes to the Bible, when it comes to Jesus' teaching, I think so often we end up thinking about Jesus and we end up thinking about the Bible like it's the highway code. We think about it like it's some kind of manual for life that's setting out for us all these different situations and circumstances that we might find ourselves in and is giving us the rules for how we're to behave when we find ourselves there. And so then we end up asking questions and, and we kind of, our, our Christian life ends up becoming about asking the kind of questions as, what is it that I'm allowed to do as a Christian and what is it that I'm not allowed to do as a Christian? 
What is it that I can kind of get away with? Where, where do the rules kind of fit? How can I kind of work within the rules and still kind of do what it is that I, I want to do? And we read through Jesus' teaching, and, and especially in, in places like um, what we call maybe the Sermon on the Mount. And we have this idea that, that, that Jesus is going through all of these different rules that we need to follow. And when we do that, do you know what? I think we miss the point. I think we miss what Jesus is really all about. And so this morning, we're continuing our series looking at Jesus in focus. And I want to bring into focus something of our understanding of Jesus and what it is that he teaches us. Particularly in, the, in something like the Sermon on the Mount and those kind of teachings that he brings. And, and as we do that, I'm not so much going to look at the specifics as it is that I want to just try and help us to get hold of something of the big picture. Of what Jesus' big purpose is. What he's really wanting us to get hold of with this teaching. Because you see, in the first century Jewish culture that Jesus was around in, that he lived in, that he taught in, their world was all about rules. The Jewish people, and in particular the, the, the Jewish religious leaders, they, they believed that following God really boiled down to following rules. And so they had things like the Ten Commandments that we understand, and they had all the kind of different stuff that's laid out in what we call the Old Testament. But then in order to help them to keep those rules and to follow those rules and to make sure they, they kind of stayed in those kind of boundaries that God had given them, they then created a whole bunch more rules. And so they ended up with about 613 different rules that were laid down to help them to, to try and follow these rules because that's what they thought that it looked like to, to follow God. And, and these rules went into incredible detail. So in order to protect the rule that the Sabbath was to be a day of rest, you know, one of these 613 rules was that if you're a tailor, now you've immediately got pretty specific, haven't you? You've just ruled out a whole bunch of people. That gives you an idea how much detail they went into these rules. But if you're a tailor and you're carrying your needle on the Sabbath, then you have broken the law. And, and so you feel the tailor, and the way the Sabbath begins is when the sun sets. So you're there working through the day, and then the sun begins to set, and you've got to pack up, and you're going home. And if you've left your needle in your pocket, then you've broken the rules. You've broken the law, and you've just done something which causes this kind of separation between you and God. But to make things worse, these rules that they put in place. They believed that if you broke these rules, then this separation with God was caused, and you would step out of his blessing, and suddenly you would, you would lay that as being the cause, as being the reason for every bad thing that happens in your life. And so, you end up with this whole class of people, these religious leaders, these people we call the Pharisees, who devoted their entire lives to, to, to keeping this law and to judging other people in how they were doing with it. That's all that they were about. And they created extra rules and more rules to try and help people to, to keep these different laws and these different things which were there. And they taught that if you followed the rules of God, then, then God would bless you. And so, and you could see who was following the rules, and you could see who was blessed by God, because they were the healthy, and the rich, and they were the powerful people. They were the people of, of influence. And they believed that, and they taught the people that if as a whole nation we could just get hold of this, and we could start to follow God more fully, then as a nation God will bless us, and as a nation we'll be strong again. 
We'll be free from the Romans and free from all these different people who've come in and invaded us and caused all these problems. But just as much as they taught that, they taught that the opposite was true. That if the things that happened in your life were, were bad, if you went through hardships, if you were poor, if you were sick, then that was a sign that God didn't bless you. And if God wasn't blessing you, then you must have broken the rules. You must have done something wrong. Because God blesses people and when they follow the rules. And if you're following the rules, then you'll be rich and you'll be healthy and you'll be strong and you'll be powerful. And this is the whole way, this is the whole framework within which the people of Jesus' day understood the world. This is what they understood that it looked like to, to follow God and how it all worked. And so, to keep that in mind then, as we, as we come to the way that Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount, that this is how they understand what it is to be people who are blessed. It's to be the people who are rich and powerful and strong and healthy, the people who kind of dominate society. So you can find it in Matthew 5. I'm going to start by reading verses 3 to 10. Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And this is radical, revolutionary stuff. When you understand the background, you can see pretty quickly that that with the teaching that Jesus brings, he's turning their entire world upside down. He's not giving us a a list of rules and and saying we need to to follow this and we need to be the tick boxes to say that we're people like this and we've got to try and manufacture situations where we're persecuted and we've got to kind of rejoice when it is that we're mourning because that means we're blessed and so we can tick those boxes. Follow those rules. He's saying to a group of people who had probably been told their entire lives that they didn't really matter and that God didn't really love them. How could God be pleased with them when that was the situation they were in? And he's saying in contrast to that, in contrast to what you've believed, in contrast to what you've been taught, God's blessing is available to you. He's saying God's love, God's favor, God's blessing is available and his heart is for you. And so Jesus, he starts by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. It literally means blessed are the spiritually deprived. He's saying it doesn't matter if you've grown up in a, in a church family. It doesn't matter how much you, you know about God and the Bible. It doesn't matter about how well educated you are. It doesn't matter if you were, were born on the right side of the street or not. doesn't matter how much you know. God loves you. And his heart is for you. And when his kingdom comes upon you, you will be blessed. 
He says, blessed are, are those who mourn. Those who've lost their jobs. Parents who've, who've lost their children and their hearts just ache and ache and ache. Children who've, who've grown up in abusive homes. People who, who suffer seemingly constantly and are crippled by depression or anxiety. Mourning a loved one. Mourning a lost dream. Mourning something that's happened to you in the past and that you just seems to now define you and you can't seem to get away from. And Jesus is saying, he's saying, you might have been taught that going through these different things meant that God was far from you and that he's turned his back on you, but that couldn't be further from the truth. In the midst of it, God loves you. In the midst of it, even in your heartache, God is for you. And he is with you. And his heart is to come alongside you and for you to be blessed. To comfort you. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the gentle in heart. And maybe you feel sometimes like you, you struggle to stand up for yourself. And, and you, when you do try and stand up for yourself, it goes badly and it just seems to make things worse. You, you, you feel like you have to just kind of put up with things at work and put up with things at home. You feel like the world celebrates people who are strong and sometimes you just feel weak. And Jesus says, no, the world might... Admire those who seem proud and strong and who dominate. But do you know what? I'm meek and I'm gentle in heart. That's what Jesus says. I'm long-suffering and I, and I put up with offense and rejection. And I don't lash out and, and I don't try and defend myself. Meekness isn't weakness, it's strength of character and God delights in you and he loves you and he wants to bless you. Blessed are those who, who hunger and thirst for, for righteousness. Love this, it doesn't say that you have to have got there. It just says that your heart's got to want to be there. Maybe you, you feel caught in some sin and you can't shake it and you hate it and it's become this kind of secret hidden thing in your life and, and you kind of feel like you've got this shame and this guilt inside and, and, it's, and it separates you from God and you kind of feel like, how could God love me until I've dealt with this and I'm free from this? And Jesus says, no. No. Your sin and shame will not withhold you from the love of God. Blessed are you when your, your heart is set on living for God. Even if you're struggling in the present. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful and the, the pure in heart and the peacemakers, the nice people who get pushed around in the world and who the world so often will, will try and just step on. They sneer at your innocence. People who from the world's perspective seem weak and powerless, but God says no. 
Your hearts are pure and you're blessed. Blessed are those who are persecuted because they, they try to live the right way. Even though in the moment it feels so wrong, even in the moment it feels so unjust sometimes because of the way that you're treated and you're trying to do the right thing and yet you get this lashback and the way that people react and the way that people mistreat you. And she said it doesn't mean that God's against you just because it doesn't always go well. God loves you and his heart is for you. And Jesus says, in the end, in some way and somehow, you will be supremely and eternally blessed. Can you see how for the people of Jesus' day, hearing these words for the first time, this would have turned their entire world upside down? How God's blessing isn't based on following rules and it can't be seen by these external signs of wealth and power and prosperity. How God is more interested in what is going on inside. He's more interested in our hearts and our attitudes. And that's where we experience so much of the blessing that he has for us too. Jesus is saying, don't let the Pharisees fool you. Don't let the logic of this world fool you. Just because life isn't always easy, just because you face hard times, just because you're you're struggling with following all of the rules, doesn't mean that God is against you. God loves you and his favor and his blessing is available to anyone and everyone whose heart is set on him. And you know, I think often without us really realizing it, without us ever intending it, we can end up with a mindset kind of like the people of Jesus' day. And we look at the ways that we struggle to follow all the rules. All the ways that we struggle to to match up to, to what we feel expectations are. And we think to ourselves, how how could God love me? Or we think to ourselves, well, I know because I've read it enough times and I've heard it enough times and I know it's true that, that God loves me, but how could God bless me? Or we look at all the things in our, in our, our lives and, and, and all the different hard things and the different problems and we say, how is it that God could be possibly love me or bless me when this has happened and when I'm going through this and when I'm facing this? And we end up with this idea that somehow following the rules is needed in order to be blessed and that somehow if an evidence of being blessed is the fact that everything's going right in life. But Jesus comes along and he says, no, that's not how it works. Not in my kingdom, it's upside down. God loves you and God's blessing and favor is there for anyone and everyone whose heart is set on him. God is more interested in what's going on inside of you than outside of you. And so the starting point is that Jesus wants to make it clear to us that despite how you might feel, And despite what you might have been taught in the past, you are more than capable of receiving God's love. 
That when your heart is set on him, that when you've given your life to him, there is no amount of shame. There is no amount of, of things that you've done. There's no amount of hardships in life that can separate you from his love. That you are his child. That you have been adopted. That he accepts you. That he receives you and he loves you. That you are a part of his family and his favor and his blessing is for you. Now I want you to imagine for a moment, just imagine for a moment that you're one of the people in this crowd who's turned up and you've had this whole kind of mindset that is all about rules and then Jesus comes along and he turns the whole thing upside down and he says that God's blessing is available to you and that he he loves you. Imagine that you're one of the people in this, this crowd there on that day. You've just heard Jesus say all of these different things. You've lived your entire life under the law. You've been oppressed by rules that you simply can't match up to. You've felt like you've got no place to have a relationship with God, that you're separated from him somehow. And then Jesus comes along and he blows it all out of the water. And he says that's not the way that it works. And he says God's love and his favor and his blessing is for you. If you're one of the people in the crowd and you hear Jesus talk like this, what's the conclusion that you jump to? And I think the conclusion would be that you're free from the law. The conclusion would be that the rules are gone, that Jesus is ripping up this whole legalistic system that they've always known. And Jesus gets that that's the way that people would be thinking, and he gets that that's that's where they would be at, and and that the crowd that were listening would be be thinking these kind of things, that they're free from from rules, and that they can doesn't matter what they do, and that it's all okay now, and that there's just this complete freedom to do anything that they want to do. And so Jesus, he wants them to understand that this is about more than freedom from rules. It's about more than just an an ability to be able to receive the love of God. But actually, this is about being transformed by that love. To live out that love. And so Jesus says this in Matthew 5, verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. And that's exactly what the people would have been thinking at this point. But he goes on, I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. And I think the people would have been completely confused at this point. One moment, Jesus, you're here and you're saying that rules are all gone, that it is not about that, that blessing is available. And now what you're saying is that the rules are back again. We don't understand. And to make it worse, Jesus says then in verse 20, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses, goes beyond, is better than that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And the people must have thought, hang on a second, Jesus, this is, this is impossible. How can we possibly be better than them? They're the experts at keeping the law. They're the guys who've devoted their entire lives to this. How can we keep the rules better than they do? And because of everything they've taught, because of their whole worldview, immediately they're back to thinking about rules. Back to thinking about outward appearance and external things and ticking boxes and making sure that they've got all of that right. And even when we understand that God is more interested in our hearts, we can so easily... Do the same thing. Because rules make sense to us. We understand it. It works. They're easy to understand. 
But Jesus wants to take them and us on a journey to see the law in a new way. To see what it's really all about. He's not come to, to abolish it and to do away with it. He's not come to, to, to kind of destroy it. But he has come to fulfill it and to change the way that we see it. To open our eyes to see what, what God's law is really all about. And it isn't about rule keeping, but in fact it's about something much deeper. And so Jesus, he spends most of the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, most of the rest of this time as he's teaching the crowd, going through these statements where he says, you have heard it said, this is the old way of understanding things. This is what the, the law taught you and everything that you've understood and lived your, your life by. But I say to you, this is what it's really all about. And he says, don't do it this way. Don't follow the way that the Pharisees do things and the, and the keepers of the law. Don't, don't just focus on the externals. Don't try and give like they do and pray like they do and fast like they do. Instead, do it this way because this is really what it's all about. And this isn't Jesus replacing old rules with new rules, which is the way we so often see it, or giving us extra rules to follow that they kind of take us to a higher standard. This is Jesus saying that that God's love and blessing and favor is available to each and every person whose heart is set on him. And when you receive God's love, you will begin to be transformed from the inside out. That what it looks like to follow God isn't about following rules. It's about a transformation of your heart. It's about becoming people who express love for God and love for others. Becoming a people who put God first and others first. That's what it's really all about. Let me give you an example from one of the things that Jesus teaches. And maybe this will help you to to get this whole idea that it's not about rules. Um, Just ask yourself and, and think about this as I read it out. If Jesus is laying out new rules for us, what would they be? What does it look like? What does it mean? This is what he says, Matthew 5, verse 21 to 22. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. That's the old rule. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, which is really just like calling someone an idiot, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now, if we take this as a rule, then it's pretty serious stuff, isn't it? New rule. You can't call someone an idiot. You can't call someone a fool. And if you do, you'll come under God's judgment. I think we'd all be in in bother with that, wouldn't we? We'd all be in trouble. But if we take it as a rule, then it's also hard for us to understand how Jesus speaks about things later. So Matthew 23, verse 17, Jesus is talking to the religious leaders, and what does he say to them? He says, you blind fools! What's, hang on, what's going on? What's Jesus just done? Why does Jesus call them fools when just a moment ago we read that Jesus told us that we shouldn't call people fools? How do we make sense of that? Here's some options for you. Option number one. Matthew 5 comes so much earlier than Matthew 23 that Jesus simply forgot what he said. 
Option two, it's okay for Jesus to do it, but it's not okay for us. It's that old kind of thing of do as I say, but not as I do. Option three, Jesus just didn't get a lot of sleep last night and he was feeling grumpy. We've all been there. We can sympathize and he just wasn't being himself. Or option four, in Matthew five, Jesus is teaching something deeper than rules. He's teaching us something deeper than just not being allowed to use the word fool. You know, rules can be helpful and God gives us rules at different times. But the moment that we start making rules out of Jesus' teaching when it was never intended to be that way is the moment that we start to get in trouble. And so what Jesus is really doing in in these statements is he's wanting to open our eyes to see God's law in a different way. To understand it more fully. To instead of getting caught up in, in being able to be in the right and tick boxes and match up to rules. Getting caught up with our outward behavior. That we catch the heart of God's law. And we see how that's what really matters. And so the people, they start from this position of of thinking, how can we possibly surpass? How can we possibly be greater in our righteousness and match up to the rules in a better way than the expert law keepers? How can we possibly keep rules better than they do? But Jesus is saying, you don't need to try and beat them at their own game. We're playing a completely different game now. This isn't about outward behavior anymore. This isn't about... Getting it all right and being able to tick boxes and being able to stand there and say, yes, I've done it. It's about the heart. It's about living life in a way that expresses love for God and love for others. And come on, Jesus would say, surely, surely you can see that it doesn't take much to surpass the righteousness of the Pharisees and the law keepers. They might keep rules, but that doesn't say an awful lot about them, does it? Come on, if the standard of of keeping the rule of, of not being allowed to murder somebody is all that it takes to say that you're a godly person, it's not saying an awful lot, is it? And so Jesus, he would say, you know, it's not exactly a high bar. I'm telling you, this is about expressing God's love in a way that he's expressed it to you. This is about... So much more. I'm telling you, if you hate your brother, if you start calling people's names, if you start holding on to resentment and anger towards people, you're not loving them, are you? This is about the heart. This is about the essence of God as love being lived out. And you can imagine the people being like, yeah. The Pharisees, the, the religious leaders, they're always jumping on me and judging me. They're always putting me down and saying I'm a spiritual zero and that how God can't care for me and how I can't match up to the rules and, and I hate it. They think they're so much better than we are. They, they think they're so much more spiritual than we are. And Jesus says, no, they're not. They're not. Because in their hearts, there is something seriously wrong. And as he goes through this teaching, Jesus is painting this picture. 
And he's saying that the law rightly understood is about love. It's about what's going on inside of you. And when you come to to see that, then you realize that no matter how well you might be able to follow the rules and look good on the outside, that if that's all that you manage to do, if that's all that you make of it, then it's all pretty shallow. It doesn't count for an awful lot. In fact, Jesus says this pretty clearly later in the Sermon on the Mount, towards the end of it. He says in Matthew 7, verse 12, and he makes it pretty clear that this is about expressing love for others. It's about people. It's about relationships. And, and if you look through the Sermon on the Mount, I reckon he doesn't actually give us anything like 613 rules. Really, there's only one thing I would call a rule in the entire thing. And it's this. He says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. This is what we sometimes call the golden rule that Jesus gives us. He says, really, this is what it's all about. As you receive God's love, as God's love begins to transform you from the inside out, now love others in the same way that you would want to be loved. Love them not for what it is that you're going to get from them. Love them not for what it is that you get out of it, but for what it is that you believe will bless them most. What it is that they would want most. Treat them as you would hope to be treated. For this sums up the law and the prophets. It's not being able to say that we followed all the rules. It's not being able to say that we're in the right That we've done nothing wrong. You can't bring an accusation against us because we've ticked the boxes and we've followed the procedures and we've done it all. It's about a heart of love that lays down our rights and puts others first. And if we go back and look at the law of the Old Testament, it wasn't at its heart about following rules. At its heart, the law was about relationship. It distinguished them as God's people. It represented a love relationship between them and God. God didn't give them the the, the law and all of these rules and say, if you follow all these different things, then I will be your God and you will be my people and I will bless you. He says to them, I will be your people, I will be your God, you will be my people and I will bless you. So here, have a bunch of rules to protect our relationship so that you, you stand out as different, so that, that people can see the fact that, that I love you and that you love me and that we're in this relationship. And so Jesus, he goes on through the whole of the Sermon on the Mount. And he simply just talks to us and and he talks to us about how we express the love of God in our lives. And he gives us different examples about different kind of situations about how we can best love God and, and love others. How what's going on inside of us in every single one of them is what matters most. And he gives us concrete examples of what it is to be transformed by God's love. And to live with love flowing from within us to other people. And you know, that makes what Jesus teaches us far less complicated. Far less complicated than than having to try and follow a bunch of rules. Even if it's less than 613 of them. You know, in fact, I've become more and more convinced that following Jesus is never meant to be something which is complicated. Following Jesus is something which is, is simple. 
simple, but it's deep. And it can be hard. You know, there aren't hidden meanings or formulas or rules that we have to try and discover in order to be able to to get God's blessing and to start to have answered prayers. There aren't particular formulas of words that we need to say or things that we need to do in order to have all of that. What it looks like to follow Jesus is simple. But it's deep and it's hard because it's about what's going on inside of us. It's about our hearts. rather than just following rules and getting it right on the outside. It's not something that's shallow, it's something which is deep, and something which we've got to come to God, because we can't do it on our own, we can't do it through strength of will, we've got to come to God and receive something of his love, receive something of what it is that he has for us, and his blessing, laying down our own agendas, laying down our own ways, and allowing him to begin to transform our hearts. From the inside out. So that we have a heart attitude that loves God and loves others. That puts God first and puts others first. Because that doesn't come naturally. And it's simple. But it's deep and it's hard. And it's something that we spend our entire lives journeying with God in. Something that God is wanting to work on within us for our entire lives and he's never done it. So there is something that God has for you today. There is some way in which God wants you to know his love and to know his blessing and to know his favor today. And there are also ways that God is wanting to to transform you today. From the inside out. Areas in your life or maybe people in in your life that he is wanting to put his finger on. Where you've been struggling to love. Maybe you've been struggling to, to love your husband or your wife, your spouse. You know, Jesus talks about that, doesn't he? And if we follow the rules, then what does Jesus really say? He says... If we make it all about rules, well, okay, so I've not killed them, and I've not slept around, so I'm a good spouse. That's old law. If we make Jesus about rules, then it simply says, well, I've not killed them, I've not been angry at them, I've not called them names, and I've not slept around, and I've not looked at other people lustfully, so therefore I'm a good spouse. can tick the boxes, done my job, follow the rules. But Jesus says, come on. It's so much more than that. This is about love. This is about putting other people first. Maybe there's someone who you would, you'd consider an enemy. And you just don't know what to do with that. You don't know the way forwards with that. Maybe there's someone who's, who's hurt you. And while you've, you've tried to forgive them, if you're honest, there's still this anger within you. You might not like to call it anger, but the reality is that that's what it is. And when you think about them, the reality is that what comes into your mind and the way that you think about them is, you fool!
Or it may be that you feel like your relationship with God has just become something on the surface and it's just become about following rules. And it's all become a bit of an act. And it's not that Jesus is coming along to you today and he's saying to you that you're breaking the rules. He's not saying to you that you're in the wrong and you can't do that and you shouldn't be doing that. He's wanting to go deeper with you. To help you in whatever area it might be to know something more of God's love working within you to transform you, to bring healing, to bring comfort, to bring strength To enable you to be a person who expresses love for God and love for others in everything that you do. For that to be all the different things that Jesus teaches us are just the examples. It's not an exhaustive list of rules. And he's inviting us to be people who love him and love others. I'm going to ask um, Beth just to come and to, to play um, in the background. I just want to create a bit of space. Time for us to be able to pray. Time for us to be able to receive from God. Because we can't do this on our own. This isn't a matter of outward things where we can just say, well, I'm going to make a bunch of changes and if I do this and that and the next thing, then I'll be in the right place and the Lord will be okay. And we like those things because they give us practical things that we can take away. I like those things because then it's in my control and I can do something about it. It's the way that we're wired and the way that we work. But Jesus is about something deeper today. And it's not something that we can be in control of because it comes down to our hearts. So I just want to create a bit of space to allow God to come and meet with us and for him to fill you with his love. For you to know that you are his precious child. For you to know that you are blessed by him and that there is nothing that you have done in your life, there is nothing that you are going through right now that excludes you from that. That he is with you and he wants to meet with you.